This is Movie Hopping for Tuesday, January 8th, 2019, motherfuckers. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit that it's 2019? I sure don't care. You don't care that it's 2019? I don't care. It doesn't feel like a new year. It doesn't feel like anything's changed, really. Now, is this like a normal point of view out of you, or is this just unique to the year 2019? (laughs) No, I I don't have New Year's resolutions or anything like that. I'm not that kind of guy. I I just say, hey, I'm just going to live my life and and do better at at things and stuff. Okay, I dig that point of view. What I don't understand is like... The feeling that it's just another day. It is just another day. Because it's not. Like, to me, it feels remarkably different on January 1st. But I'm like a weird... Like, I have auras and shit. Yeah, clearly. I'm big into the... (laughs) (laughs) I have multiple auras. And I I enjoy, you know... I don't like being associated with your auras, Nico. Yeah, I... (laughs) It's a little uncomfortable right now. Plug my aura, will (laughs) you? No, I'm big into, like, the ether. I just sort of wake up, even like when I'm in a different location, let's say like I like was on vacation and I woke up in a hotel room mm-hmm. in a foreign country, I'd be like, oh shit, there's some motherfucking France aura going on right now. So you're like- saying United States aura. So you're like the guy who's like, I'm, I'm feeling some bad vibes right now, or I'm feeling some good vibes or that kind of it's thing. It's not necessarily character judgments. I'm not making any sort of value on it. It's not good or bad. It's just, oh, this is what it feels like to be in Connecticut. So you're like a shaman. Sure. Nico the shaman. Yeah. That, I, I think that is the perfect way of describing it, yes. <laughs> and I think many shaman would agree with you. <laughs> I think you'd be a very radical choice for the new shaman, whatever the hell that means. I think I, I'll, I'm, I'm like reserved for the chic. I just want to be chic. Don't kid yourself. You're not that great. I don't need to be a shaman. You're not that great, Nico. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need to you be a Dalai be. Lama. I don't, gotta, I don't need to be a shaman. <laughs> Actually, just give me Sherpa, the job of Sherpa, and I'm okay. <laughs> You could be a Buddha, kind of. <laughs> I could see. I a, look like Buddha. I was I could see a Nico Buddha. I want to see a Nico, a statue that carved out with your face on it, your glasses and everything. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, have you noticed my new glasses? Oh, They're look at that! Brand spanking new. Look at that! Got them today. Wow, cool! Yeah. Everyone's getting new glasses now. Abby got new glasses too. Is that right? Yeah, new glasses, new contacts. It's great. I yeah. bought these from her former employer. Well, she still kind of works there. Oh, really? Every once in a while. Oh, they pissed me off. What do you mean they pissed you oh, off? I, I won't bring it up on air because a good friend apparently is employed at this company, but... <laughs> she doesn't care. Oh, <laughs> they made me furious. What do they do? They just... They, they didn't treat me right. And I'm a customer and I deserve your respect, service people of America. If Nico comes in the door... Cling, 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 cling. Nico above all others deserves Stand and respect. salute. Stand and salute. Jesus, you arrogant fuck. They really pissed me off. I didn't like how I was treated. I won't bring up the name of the company, but it does rhyme with Ben's Bafters. <laughs> Ben's Bafters? No, it rhymes with uh, Can uh, Laughters. Does that work? I like saying that. Like just switching the first two letters. Oh, look. Guess who's texting now, too? Tell her that Lens Crafters is a piecious shit organization <laughs> and that she should resign her post immediately. Under penalty of prosecution. I'm bringing these motherfuckers to court. I'm so mad at them. What are you talking about? All right, so here's what happened. I, I, I hate to bash lens crafters too much. <laughs> but so I go literally to the location that Abby sometimes works at, apparently. And this bitch tells me that she will only sell me these Ray-Ban frames if I put specific Ray-Ban lenses in them. 
Okay. Because evidently Lens Crafters has bought out Ray-Bans. That they like own Ray-Bans. So they, they promote the glasses and they have the frames at the front of the store and they're like, oh, get a special discount to buy two Ray-Bans, get one free or whatever. And it was cheap. It was like 135 bucks for these frames. And that's actually pretty cheap for a nice pair of Ray-Bans. Okay. What I didn't realize is that the back end, they were going to nickel and dime me. They're like, yeah, we're not in- allowed to install just regular plexiglass lenses or whatever on or polycarbonate lenses on your frames. Ray-Ban requires us to put a special blue light lens, <laughs> which helps if you are on the computer all day. Yep, I know about which this Which is stuff. this latest false bill of goods they're trying to sell. <laughs> Don't even start. So I storm out of there because I'm like, no, I'm not paying okay. an extra $200 for these lenses. And I go up the street and this nice old geezer at this small mom and pop glasses shop is like, yeah, those blue light lenses. Don't total do. scam. Total Aww. scam. So Aww. I bought these right from Lens Crafters, went over there, he took care of the lenses, my insurance paid for it, got it for free, $200 off. Good. Why didn't you consult with Abby about this? Why didn't you call her up immediately? I should have. I was about like, to what? say, I want to talk to your manager and Abby Richardson. <laughs> I want her out here. I have questions for her. When did you get this done? Like a week ago, two weeks ago. Was it during the week? Yeah. Okay, so she probably couldn't have helped you out. But, you know. Still. I need to find out who this bitch was, though. Did she have an accent? No. Okay, so I don't know who it was. We'll talk about it off air. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to movies! Yeah, it's a movie movies, podcast! That's correct. Uh, movies! It's what? time to talk movies. Um, How about them Golden Globes? Are we going to save? No, we can talk about it. Did yeah. you watch them all? Yeah. You love the Jeff Bridges speech, right? Of course I do. As, as all of America did. He's a goofy guy. Mm. Uh, so how high is Bohemian Rhapsody on your top 10 list this year? <laughs> it's not on my top 10 list. Oh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is the weirdest thing in the world that yeah. that movie won best drama. First of all, is it even a drama? Yeah. It's what? Not, not a comedy. It's it, You could call it a musical if you want, but I don't think it's a musical in the that sense not like la la land's a musical it's just there are music musical numbers in there by virtue of the fact that it's a fucking queen biopic right but uh yeah it, no it, it's it yeah it's a drama it's certainly a drama in the, in the same way that i don't know that like ray is a drama i guess and it's you can make a lot of comparisons to ray with this one honestly it's more of a like musical and comedy than green book is though right <sighs> I didn't see Green Book. I just saw it like a few nights ago. But why Green Book's supposed to be more comedic, right? No, it's not really comedic. No, I mean, it's heavy subject matter. I mean, it's it, charming. Bohemian Rhapsody is not funny. I don't if like that's what you're saying. No, my point is I don't like just classifying a movie as a comedy because there are a few laughs in it. Like ideally every drama should have like Goodfellas is hilarious, but I wouldn't call that a slapstick comedy. No. Bring the family. Have a good time on a Friday night. You mean like the technical definition of what a comedy, like the Shakespearean sense, like it's either a comedy or a tragedy? Well, that's a lot of things. We've though. evolved a little bit since then, but still, <laughs> the the my point is the Golden Globes have engaged with a level of category fraud, the likes of which <laughs> category fraud. no one has ever seen. I, I didn't mean, know there was nomi- such a thing. These nominations are ridiculous. <laughs> Star is Born. I if, if you're gonna call any movie a musical, it's that one. Like, it's got a ton of musical numbers and had a best-selling soundtrack and is about two musicians. But that's a drama, dude. That's a drama. Okay, fine. If you want to call that a drama, okay. But then you also got to call Green Book a drama. Okay. I mean, you also... What else was in the in the comedy category that was a rollicking good time? 
the favorite. I mean, I don't know. I hear I, I, there's like comedic elements of the favorite. I'm sure. Yeah, but it's also a Yorgos film, as I say multiple. Or maybe times. that was a drama category. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. No, I, I, this never made sense to me. It never did. The Martian won best no, comedy a few years ago. That's just objectively stupid. That one pissed me off. Yeah, yeah. The favorite gets nominated for a comedy. Again, there's probably a few laughs in it, but the, isn't that movie like about a bunch of queens stabbing each other in the back? Yeah, <laughs> and one of them getting gout. From what I understand, yeah, I still haven't seen it, and I, I quite I would really want to. I really would like to, but you know, it's that is the one movie we'll talk about it in a little bit because again, today we are doing our end of the year top ten lists as we do every year, yes. uh, recapping 2018 in film. Uh, the favorite is the movie that I am most ashamed to admit I have not seen. Yeah, me too. And that me would too. probably belong on this list. It, consider one, at least one slot reserved for the favorite. Yeah, well, there's a few slots for me that I think should be reserved for at least two other films. And one of them is probably the favorite. So Right. Yep. I didn't get that many films in because 2018 sucked as far as movies go. Yeah, I, I think we've talked about this for a few weeks now, and I think we can now definitively say it. Um this list came shockingly easy to me. It, it did not take a lot of contemplation. It was just like, yeah, sure, seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah, for a fine, right, I'm done. I, I I felt very strongly about a number of these films. I had one film that was hard, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to put it on my list. But after much deliberation, I'm like, okay, fine, it can be on my list. But that should tell you a lot about my feelings towards these films, right. based on the fact that I was like, yeah, fine, whatever, sure. Right. There are some movies that are just sort of on here by default. Yes. I didn't feel very strongly about... Like, they're not going to be movies that I revisit a lot. I just sort of felt an obligation to put them on because I respected the craft. Here's the thing. Honestly, I don't know if I'm going to revisit any of the films that are on my list. Yeah, there's There are, I think, three here for me that I can say, I'm going to watch this 20 times on cable. Well, it's funny because there's one that is on, on my list that, that I am going to revisit, that I have revisited, but it's number four for me. Yeah. Which is strange. Right. It, yeah. Right. The fact that you're number one, and I uh, I think I have an idea what your number one is. It might have changed. Uh, that That's also a movie that's sort of cerebral and slow and dark. It's like not a great watch on a rainy day. You no. Know? But, and and I, I feel the same way about a number of them as well. Like, I tried to pick the ones that inspired me in terms of just like they made me feel good this year. That is not perhaps the best because here's the bottom line: not a ton of films really challenged me this year. The well, my number one challenged me. This is why I put it up on there. My number five slot challenged me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of bit. And but in between that, there's films that didn't really challenge me at all. But right. I, I still just appreciated the experience that I had with them. It was a very, very bizarre mixed bag that I didn't get out of last year, even remotely close, honestly. Right. It was this in the, 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 the range in quality. And this list is unlike anything yeah. <laughs> I've ever seen. It's, yes. I have a variety as well. Yeah. Um, there, there's a few honorable mentions that, that I'll throw in again. I just thought that last year finished so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly the movies that got nominated for a bunch of awards were ones that I very much enjoyed and that had a fun time rooting for when it came to Oscar season. and Which is funny because I think most of the films that came out later in the year for me, I don't think made it on my top ten right. list. <laughs> I, no, I'm the same way. A lot of them did not uh, make the list for me either. Yeah. Uh, a lot of movies that came out sort of in February and March mm-hmm. that were surprises that sort of hit me um, uh, off guard. 
were ones that I decided to include. And I, I think that's also the sign that the year is not that great. If February is doing well, there's a problem. Right. It's it's not necessarily that these are remarkable award uh, deserving films. It's more just that oh, that's that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, let me throw it on. How weak is that? Yeah, <laughs> certainly. I guess we'll get to it as we get to it, uh, it, but we'll point out those movies. It's not like last year where I was like, okay, this is definitively for me one of the greatest films I've ever seen. There were at least like maybe three last year there. I was like, this is the one of the greatest films I've ever seen. Yes. Amazing. Every year we should be getting a, at least one film like that. Right. And I don't really know if we got that this year or last year rather, whatever. Right. Yeah. We're about a week late. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, are you ready? Do you have your list in front of you? No, I do. Okay, I'm I'm ready for hella shenanigans out of you. By the way, you're gonna get pissed off by the placement of it, at least all of them. I am. I, <laughs> I am mentally preparing myself for this. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? I'll start. Okay. I, honorable mention. Uh, well, let's do that at the end. Once we've gone through all of all right. them, we'll just list the movies. My honorable mentions are just based on like personal enjoyment. Okay. Honestly. And they're on a certain list out of a certain number okay. of films. They but... might come up on mine. So we'll we'll talk about them as we get to them. Yep. Okay. All right. So you want me to just start? Yeah, go ahead. My number 10 is Annihilation. Okay. Yeah. Number 10 is Annihilation. I'm okay with this. Okay. I'm okay with this. We did a podcast about this movie. We did. Yeah. I liked it quite a bit. A lot of women in this movie. Yeah. It's it's, it's weird and very, it's a, it's a very strange and thought-provoking sci-fi film and has a lot to say about loss and whatnot, and it's it's it, very reminiscent of uh, the film Stalker, which I talked uh, quite a bit about when we actually did the podcast. Glowingly about, yeah. if I recall. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's very scary and weird, and I mean, a lot of things work quite well in this, but it's at the same time, we also said that it's a film that's very at war with itself, with some of its ideas. It's a film that wasn't sure whether it wanted to be Stalker or if it wanted to be just kind of a really fun, accessible sci-fi film. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a... Little bit of a mixed bag for me, but at the same time, I, I I found a lot to admire about it. This comes from Alex Garland, who made a movie called Ex Machina that both of us very much enjoyed. Also, apparently directed Dread, but <laughs> according to Carl Urban. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, he was just sort of on set, and <laughs> the, the the director Pete Travis. It was said like, yeah, no, he didn't really direct. The oh, film. really? Yeah. So yeah, he's actually sort of known as a uh, as a screenwriter. Did Twenty Eight Days Later? Yep. Along with the sequel, Twenty Eight Weeks Later. And uh, also wrote Dread mm-hmm. and the movie Sunshine. Um, only recently has he gone behind the camera and to, uh, I think, great success. I, I, I enjoy both of these movies very much. Absolutely. I don't like it nearly as much as I like Ex Machina. Nope. Just sort of because, as you said, the movie is at war with itself. It sometimes gets a little too thematically ambitious and you get lost in what is a lovely movie in terms of the visuals but is mm. not exactly coherent yeah. on a script level exactly love natalie portman in this i don't love natalie portman in that's my biggest one of my bigger problems with okay the film. uh love oscar isaac love tessa yes. thompson yep. yep um and i just adore that third act mm-hmm. that third act could have easily fallen apart it is so gorgeous however uh it brings uh, together what is a very complicated and disparate movie with just an excellent visual sequence that I'm still thinking about. The second that you brought up that movie, I That's thought about that third act in The Lighthouse, and I think I'm mm-hmm. going to revisit that one particular scene for the rest of my life. The mimicking alien and the bear. Oh, the bear. The fucking bear. Ah! <laughs> Could be the scariest creature all year on screen. Yep. 
Oh my god. Scary than uh the creatures I think. Well, pretty close, at least on par with the creatures on an- another film that will surely uh, we'll talk about soon. Oh, it's coming up on mine pretty soon. Pretty soon? Yes. Mine's coming up um, maybe unfortunately for you very soon. No, I think we have it at about the same. Really? Yeah. Uh okay, okay. I'm I cheated. I I have a number 11. Oh, uh, you cr- I'm I'm just going to do it cuz you, you piece of shit. I want an excuse to talk about this movie. I watched it the other day. It's called Beautiful Boy. Oh, I didn't see it. Okay. I heard it was great. Beautiful Boy is a mixed bag. The script is flawed. The story is flawed. The pacing is a bit flawed. Um, And many have criticized it for a somewhat oversimplified portrayal of addiction. Okay. Um, I don't know if that criticism is well-founded. I don't have experience with addiction myself, but I know people that have. Mm-hmm. Um, and one person in my life in particular recommended this movie to me because she recognized a lot of the themes in it um, and said it's incredibly accurate. I recognize all of these criticisms. Um, here's all I can tell you, though. <laughs> you know that scene at the end of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where they're like in the streets and they're in a rowboat because the town that they're in has flooded. Yeah. And it's like the the flood was so large that there was literally a pond in the downtown district about 10 feet high. That's what my living room looked like the other night. <laughs> because from the five minutes into this movie, I was fucking bawling uncontrollably. <laughs> I was crying so hard at him. Like, you really have no idea. Oh, I'm yeah. sitting there. I'm watching this movie with my parents. And they would, like, ask me questions midway through. And they were making comments about it. And I, like, found myself answering without turning to them. <laughs> because I didn't want to let them know that tears were streaming down my face. It was very bad. It was very uncomfortable. Timothy Chalamet is a star. He's an American treasure. <laughs> He's so good in this movie. Yeah. It's great. And Steve Carell is great as well. Mm-hmm. He has really developed into a nice dramatic actor over the years. Um, it is, you know, a lot of people could have played that role. So I don't give him as much credit as I do Chalamet. I, I don't think any young actor in America, particularly of that age and particularly with that look, could have pulled off what he pulled off. He's like Leo DiCaprio, but better. Like he's, <laughs> he's just Leo. This is the next Leo. It's Timothy Chalamet. He's going to win 10 Oscars before he dies. He's that good. He's really, really good. And again, I cannot deny the fact I was so emotionally moved by this film, by a number of the scenes. It's a hard watch. It's depressing. It's a slog at times. Um, but if you're in the mood for a real tearjerker, this is it. I, okay. I had to put on number 11 just for an honorable mention. All right. Interesting. Okay. Do you cry easily during films? Somewhat more okay, more okay, easily okay. than you, put it that way. All right, I cry. I cry in very weird places. And you you cried during Raging Bull. We've yes. gone over this. Yes, that's the only movie you've ever cried over. I actually uh like the third time or something. I watched uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea in the uh, oh yeah. I should fucking burn in hell for what I said to you. Scene really. That that kind of right. got me. That's a good one. That's yeah, a good example. That one. That's another. That is the last movie that made me cry that much. There this cr- this one even more. All right uncontrollable but i've cried because i thought the movie was so beautiful at times i'm like i'm wow like i can't believe film can do this to me kind of a thing uh i'll do number 10 right now you'll do your number 10 because yeah well actually no you go ahead go do should i do your number nine well you seem like you really wanted to get to your number 10 though i want you no do your your number nine all right my number nine it's good it's roma okay 
a little low. By default. I like I, I was <laughs> deliberating with this one for a while and I was like, yeah, I mean I was questioning whether or not I should put it on my list or whether or not I should put it in front of Annihilation or, or anything like that. But I was like, yeah, this is not a film that I'm going to revisit at all. It's not a film that, that I think is perfect by any means. But there's – at the same time, my my admiration for it overwhelmed my criticisms enough for me to be like, okay, it should definitely be on this, this list. Just as a film, it feels wrong for me to uh, you know, to, to knock it off. And there, there are quite a there's there was enough to appreciate ab- about it for for me to be like yeah you know it's 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 deserving of at least some spot on my list even though I'm not the biggest fan of it so yeah and of course that third act is amazing absolutely amazing and it's be- it is a beautiful film and uh, it has a lot of interesting things to say even if it's hard to figure out what exactly those things are at times and uh, yeah it's it's a it's it's not for me but. Good, yeah, hard to hard to deny. It's a pretty great film. Wow, I, I that statement. It's not for me. Is uh, yeah. I didn't expect you to say that. That's interesting. Yeah. You felt like this movie was made for somebody other than you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because that's interesting. Because I, if it's not made for somebody like you, I don't know who it's made for. <laughs> no, every once in a while, you, there are just films out there that simply don't resonate with me. I, yeah. And a lot of times they're foreign films. Right. But like, like The Return is a great example of a film that we did in, in school and, and everyone loved it. And I was like. Just didn't work for me, guys. Yeah. Just didn't work. Um, so it's my number six. Okay. And I, I'm sure, listen, many film snobs would also scoff at me for putting it that low on the list. Uh, I was afraid of this, but we're on the same page. I did it by default. And I, it's not to say that I don't respect the craft. Not to say that I haven't thought about it, too. And I, I have. And I yeah. certainly have. And as you just mentioned, that third act is awesome. Uh, a lot of good third acts this year. I think it's a recurring theme, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Movies are closing strong, and I'm happy about that because normally they don't close that strong. Um, it is remarkably made. Uh, the The sense of place is incredible. It brings you to an area of Mexico that I'm sure you have never experienced, um, but you feel like you're there with this family. Uh, a good lead performance. Not a ton of laughs. Nope. Not a ton actually happens in this movie. It's very quiet, very understated, and very slow. But for some reason, for me, it makes ugly things beautiful. Yes. Which is very unusual. It doesn't happen often. It happens a lot in Tarkovsky films. Been <laughs> that's, that's, it's, a, it's honestly an incredibly hard feat. And I think we so, talked about it at the time. That sometimes works to its detriment. Um, and, because sort of the, the, the content on screen and the way that it's presented are sometimes at opposition with one another. It can be like inappropriate sometimes, which right. is what happens. And in this case, for some reason, it just kind of felt right. Because, again, in what we talked about when we were actually watching is that it's sort of meant to feel like someone recalling their memories, which in and of itself is a very dreamlike thin, thing, you know, just you know, at its core when you're kind of re- looking back on things and things are, you know – they tend to be a little bit more shiny than maybe they were originally. Exactly. So it kind of works in that way. There, there is a weird, surreal quality to it, even though it is very realistic, which is, you know, it's a funny clash, but I think it actually works quite well. There are not many people that could do that, by the way, other than Alfonso Coron. Um, th- this is just sort of his gift. It's his ability to make the small look very large. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it where it's at. Maybe it'll move up. And I also have no problem if and when this thing wins Best Picture, because I think it is going to win Best Picture. Yeah, especially after the other night. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We'll talk about that as the Oscars approach. And let me say, but but we, 
Guys, I do like Bohemian Rhapsody. I like the movie. Oh, boy. I do. I like the movie. There's no need to defend Bohemian Rhapsody on this podcast. But but it did not deserve that award. There is no... Ne- Over a star is born... I mean, it's just like... It, it... Listen, you can bash Bohemian Rhapsody. No one on this podcast will think any less of you. Okay. Bash it, okay? No, I don't... You have my permission. I don't want to bash... I'm not going to bash it. I have no okay. reason to bash it. All right. I, have, I still haven't seen it. You would not like it. Well... Consider another spot on this list reserved. I, for the movie without a director, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> so fucking weird. It is weird. And Brian Singer's like sitting at home on Instagram being like, oh, what a great honor, Golden Globes. They didn't even <laughs> thank him. The producers literally didn't yeah. even thank the credited director on the film. Yep. Isn't that crazy? When has that ever happened before? Like never. No. I don't know. Who Who is a director that really fucked up afterwards? Uh, Mel Gibson? Sure. <laughs> Mel Gibson still gets nominated for Oscars, though. Yes, he should. Yeah, oh, he should. Yeah. I don't. No, I don't give a fuck what you say. I love Mel Gibson. Hacksaw Ridge is yeah. better than Dunkirk. How dare you? Nope. I will not retract that. Number ten for me. Yep. Okay. Um, this is sort of a amalgamation of a few films. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> oh, you did not. What? No. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Consider this a spiritual. Um, number 10 for what, what is this Avengers okay, I'm only putting one movie on the list but this is we're gonna share it with a number of other movies okay number 10 is a movie called Minding the Gap oh okay, okay? it's a documentary on Hulu I did not so see Hulu that. original which is crazy to say out loud uh, you just said Roma which is a Netflix movie now Minding the Gap um, was bought by Hulu this is a documentary and it's a documentary about a number of skateboarders um, from this small town in, I think, Ohio? Um, I think so. It, either Ohio or Colorado or some somewhere in the middle of America. Uh, population of about 2,000 people. <laughs> There's this uh, young director. The director of the film's name is Bing. Um, and this is a essentially series of home videos that he's collected since age 11 all the way until he finally made it to Hollywood and and has now revisited this town and and documents where these characters are to this day. So uh, it's a movie by a documentary by a director about that director, um, which makes it incredibly personal um, and incredibly intimate. There are scenes that you are privy to in this movie that you feel like you shouldn't even be in, mm. um, which always is an unbelievable sensation when a documentary is able to achieve that. I felt the same way about a movie called Wiener a few years ago. Oh, God. Which I... was the Anthony Wiener movie. Um, that's another movie where you're just like, why is the camera here and why am I seeing it? Like <laughs> someone should have burned this footage because this should be kept behind closed doors, but it's now on display on the big screen for you to see. Mm-hmm. Um this movie is hypnotic. It's so well directed. It is so gorgeously shot and uh, and personal. Uh, these characters sometimes do bad things to other people in their lives. There's one particular scene where one of the heroes of the movie commits domestic violence against his girlfriend. Hmm. And you're forced to deal with that. And the way that that incident is portrayed is so sensitive and beautiful and delicate and you never feel like you're obligated to take a side it just it's a portrayal of these characters for who they are it's not glamorized it's not fiction 
It is just pure, real human emotion through and through. Um, I saw this movie on a number of top ten lists, which is what made me eventually watch it. Uh, and to be honest with you, it could be higher on this list. It's it's really, really, really strong. One of the better documentaries I'd seen in a number of years. Um, and I put this at number ten as well just to sort of shout out the other great documentaries that came out this year. Really good year for docs. Um, sort of a, a renaissance for documentaries in many ways. Okay. Won't You Be My Neighbor could easily be on this top 10 list, the Mr. Rogers documentary. Um, Three Identical Strangers, which is a movie about triplets who were separated at birth, who found themselves at age 20, and they sort of uncovered a dark mystery behind why they were separated in the first place. Um, Also a really good doc. Uh, I did not see Free Solo, the mountain climber documentary. Heard great things about that. Did not see RGB. Heard great things about that. So... Great documentary year. At least one doc deserves a spot on this list. And for me, Minding the Gap was by far and away the best. Did not see a single one of them. Okay. And Minding the Gap, you, you recommend, recommended to me pretty uh, pretty passionately. So Yes. It's, it's a beautiful movie. It really is. Okay. It's, it's very well done. And this director clearly has um, a long future in front of him. Okay. Uh, I did not see the movie mid-90s, by the way. Neither but did. I heard that this was the better skateboard movie okay of the year all right because i heard a lot of like kind of eh, mid-90s greater it's eh, it's okay yes i heard a lot of weird things about that one my apologies to jonah hill i don't care okay <laughs> number eight for you oh boy number eight is a quiet place too low no too low no i don't accept no, I know. This is the one I Reconsider was Reconsider like, your life choices. Uh-uh. Too low? Nah. I'm fine with that. And I like this movie a lot. Too low. But yeah, it's number eight. It's number eight. And the film that comes directly afterwards is going to make you want to jump across the table and rip my fucking head off. But um, yeah, uh, A Quiet Place is a really, really great, tense uh, thriller. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, that's about all you're, you're going to gain from it. There's a lot of things you could pick apart about it if you want to, but it's hard to deny that as an experience, this is one of the better thrillers to come out in a while. And it's a, it's a great little character piece as well. And, and it's, it's a hard movie not to love in that way. As, so, uh, yeah, again, it's not a movie that I, I walked away from thinking like, oh my God, wow, like this is, this is like the most amazing thing I, I've seen in a while. Like, oh, this is what film can do or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, no, this, I've been waiting for a solid like kind of small thriller like this. And it's nice that we finally have it, but you know, that was it. So <laughs> you're implying that you saw seven movies better than a quiet place this year. Yep. Okay. Well, we did a podcast about this one. I highly recommend you go back and listen. It was a spirited conversation <laughs> um, and put a pin in it. We'll be back to a quiet place in a little bit. Okay. Yep. Good. Uh, <laughs> number nine for me. Another movie we did a podcast about, but not this one. It's Mandy. Oh. Mandy makes the list. Nick Cage. And guess what, Nico? What? Too low. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> where where was it for you out of curiosity? Oh, I'm not gonna tell you. Okay. I'm not gonna tell you. Fine, that. we'll get we'll get to it later. Uh Panos Lanthemo No, not Lanthemos. <laughs> Cosmatos. Same fucking difference. <laughs> no, it is not. Pan- Panos Cosmatos. Cosmatos? Or is it Cosmos? C- Cosmatos. 
Is that that's like the uh, the Neil deGrasse Tyson fucking cosmos, show, right? Cosmos, <laughs> the cosmos, yes, like space and shit. That's a little different. It's very extraterrestrial. This Co- name, Cosmo Kramer, right? Uh, if you had told me uh, that this movie was going to make my top ten list at the end of the year back in January, uh, I would have laughed you, at you and uh, told you just. You watch this movie on VOD when it comes out, and don't bother me anymore. It's like the least Nico film on this list. It's very un-Nico. <laughs> I mean, Nick Cage is in it, so it can't be that yeah. un-Nico. I do love me some Nick Cage. But the trailer for this movie, I think, looked like most other Nick Cage weird direct-to-DVD movies, which is just something he did for a paycheck. It is very ambitious, particularly visually. It's like an it's, a, it's an acid trip. It is an acid trip to the highest order. Yeah. Um, but my God, this movie was a transformative experience. I, I, I was I was on another planet when I watched this thing. Mm-hmm. I was just floating on a cloud. Yep. And it, it was a cloud named Mandy. Yeah. And uh, again, we did this podcast on why is this a thing. Which, again, it's so – I don't think this has ever ha- – definitely hasn't happened where we ever did a Why Is This a Thing movie that made my top ten list at the end of the year. No. That's craziness. Like Not at once. That is a podcast reserved for the weird and the wacky and the bad. Uh, and I think we all just sort of assumed that's what Mandy was going to be. This was not good or bad. This is something else. This that's, is. That's what we came to. No, it's on another plane. <laughs> I just felt like I was on cloud nine. It is by far and away the most original movie I've seen all year. And it's oh, my God. Close. oh, my God. It could be the most original movie I've seen in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Evangelista very eloquently uh, gave his interpretation. His thesis. Of the material. Uh, and it's very impressive. I would recommend you go listen to that podcast again on the Why Is This a Thing feed. Mm-hmm. Um I think he can speak to the greatness of this film more than I can. I just found the visuals and the performances uh, and the mood and the aura, as we uh, discussed early on in the podcast, <laughs> to be w- one of a kind. And um, yep. so which, it's which, number nine. But why it should be much higher on your list, because that's what films should be. Yeah, you're right. I, get, I mean, look, man. Here's the thing about like top ten lists. What does it even mean? To yeah, I was just about to say. Nine? Here's the thing to all you listeners: top ten lists are total fucking bullshit. Yeah, what What is it even? This isn't sports. Like we're not. There's no Super Bowl here. Yes, it's. This, these are ten movies that I like, and any particular day the rankings can change, which I mean, happens I frequently. Yeah, the rankings didn't really change for me. They changed a little bit, I think, from last year. Like, like there are certain films from last year that I know would not be on my list now that I've actually sat with them. It's like you want me to compare Mandy and Roma. Like you want, uh, like we're gonna talk about that in the same conversation as a Star Is Born. What's like, the, what's the point? They're just they're totally different things. I don't yeah. know. They serve different purposes in my life. Yeah. And Mandy was Mandy was the movie that you know I wanted to watch. It's a hard film to like connect. to mimic getting high, and that's d- what it you, is. Well, you don't really connect. It's it's totally disconnected from real life as far as I'm concerned. But you yes. use that experience for other things, and that's a that is a big eye opener of a film that that you know shows you what what creative things can be and it's i don't know it's there, there's something about it that just makes you walk away feeling uh, like like you've come out of a nightmare that you were in love with right <laughs> no it's it's going to be a cult classic for many years yeah. certainly uh, i also want to just shout out the line knock knock who's there eric estrada eric estrada who eric estrada from, from chips. chips eric estrada from chips <laughs> Uh, I think best quote of the year. Ah, ah, 
ah, ah, ah, ah. It's probably that quote and anything that Robert Duvall said in Widows. Those are my two favorite quotes of the year. Oh, my God, Widows. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> you know we will. Uh, number, what are we on? Number seven for you? Are we? I think so. Number seven. I'm just going to say it. It's Isle of Dogs. Oh, my God! No! No! The hell's the matter with you? Did you see Isle of Dogs? Why the hell would I have seen Isle of Dogs? Well, it's Do good... you know me? Well, because it's a good movie. Isle of Dogs is your number seven. A Quiet Place is your number eight. Yeah. Wes Anderson, <laughs> talking puppies on an island. I got news for you. If he released the Grand Budapest Hotel last year, I would have put that in front of a quiet place. So, so. Let me ask you a question. What? Why is it that all of the dogs in this cartoon movie about talking dogs <laughs> have the mannerisms of an accountant? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? They They don't... They're talking dogs. Like, yes. do, 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 does every character in the Wes Anderson movies need to act and talk the same way with this sort of dry, deadpan delivery about them? Uh, oh, we're on an island. Oh, look at that, a bone. Let me eat this bone. I think you're in arf, de- arf. I think you're in denial about the parallels between Wes Anderson and Quentin Tarantino. Arf, arf. Friend. Arf, arf, owner. Look at me. I'm a dog on an island. It's the island of dogs. I'm going to I'm going to stand by my you're, you're I think you're Why even hire seri- actors? Serious denial about the comparisons between Wes Anderson and Quentin Tarantino. Here's what I can't stand about these. <laughs> here's what I'm also like discovering about Wes Anderson movies is they just waste perfectly good acting talent on what is the most one-dimensional derivative scripts I, I I've ever seen, man. Like these these movies have no rhythm or maybe they have too much rhythm but there's like, like what? there's no crescendo there is no there, there are have no peaks moonrise, no valleys what about moonrise kingdom or grand Budapest that's another Hotel. movie where just like both of them or what about rushmore or in i love rushmore i don't love royal tenenbaums but what about i, I love no i and oh man I, I okay maybe i i don't know we're coming at ahead with the wes anderson catalog but his, i his best film is fantastic mr fox sue me i like <laughs> no i don't mind fantastic mr fox i love rushmore and i uh i absolutely love royal tenenbaums but other than that it's like it, it just seems like the Wes Anderson machine. It's almost like you take a Wes Anderson movie, you put it through the Wes Anderson filter, and now we're sort of in we're 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 Wes Anderson squared. It's just like they're parodies of themselves. Not Wes- this one. Okay. Well, I didn't see this one. I'll it's, admit it's, it's the most mature film he's ever made, and it's a great film about companionship, and it's it's wonderful. It has a few things to say about politics, which are kind of fucking annoying. But apart from that. It's a, it's an incredible, like I said, incredible film about companionship that's really touching, and the animation is absolutely out of this world. And like I said, it's it's all in all a very beautiful film with a very good sushi sequence. I must recommend very good sushi. Sequence. Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, and here's Francis a- fucking McDormand. And here's what I'll say: Scarlett Johansson, Harvey Keitel, mm. F. Murray Abraham, Tilda Swinton. Oh yeah, these people have nothing better to do. 
They like the script, and it's a good script. Greta Gerwig. There's another one. I love Greta Gerwig. Uh, here's the biggest issue with the film is that most of those names hold very little significance to the story aside from Brian Cranston. But you know what? Thank God for that. <laughs> and I love his arc. So yeah. I'll see the movie, I guess. You won't like it, but you know. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just sick the of mu- self-parody. That's what mu- it seems like at this the point. The music is fucking awesome. It is self-parody. Ugh, the Alexander Desplat music is fucking awesome. It's you know what the- doesn't bode well what? for like Wes Anderson's artistic merit? What? Is the fact that SNL can parody a Wes Anderson movie and the trailer looks exactly like a Wes Anderson movie. It's like if the writers on I've SNL... He is the easiest filmmaker to parody because he's so he's so replicable. It's just everything is the same. It's just and, and, like I I don't buy this whole thing. Oh my god! Only Wes Anderson could have made that. No, a million people could have made that. It's mm. paid by numbers at this point, man. I know what I'm getting with a Wes Anderson movie. Mm, no. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. No, I, I think I think the attention to detail is a little bit more extreme than what I see out of parodies, generally speaking. But again, freaking Grand Budapest Hotel. This is possibly his best film. Oh, so quirky and whimsical. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I like the characters and the journey that they go on. And I'm sorry that I like the writing and the way that it's shot and the fact that that film is just gorgeous. Hey, it's not shot. <laughs> it's animated. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're an idiot. Should I get to my number eight? What's your number eight? I assume this is higher on your list. It's the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's higher. It's a lot higher. Figured it would be. Uh, it's a Coen Brothers movie. No Coen Brothers movie I don't think is ever going to miss my top ten list anymore. <laughs> they, they, they just just put a slot in. If the Coens are making a movie, it's, There's a slot it's, for the it, Coens. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie that I have only fallen in love with more since I first watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, this always happens with Coen Brothers movies. We did a whole podcast about this. I watch it the first time, it's whatever. I watch it the second time, I'm it's like, oh better. shit, there's more to this. Mm-hmm. And then I watch it the third time, and I'm like, yeah, this is Casablanca. <laughs> Why Casablanca? I don't all know. I'm just, it's, it, it's, this movie's going like, to be a classic. It's, there's so much going on here. It's so complex. It's so deep. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's so multi-layered. Uh, we'll talk about it more when, I guess, it's you a, bring it up. It is a, it's quite a good film. But okay. yes, I, I have stuff to say about it. But it's much higher on my list, you piece of shit. Okay, Actually, good. We'll get to no, it. I'm, see, I'm, I'm going to be civil about it. I'm not going to get offended because they're just movies, Nico. They're just <laughs> movies. You, you... They're not just movies. <laughs> they're never just movies. <laughs> Star Wars is not just a movie. Star Wars is not just a movie. That's something else. But still. All right. Go ahead. Number seven. Number seven for me? I think, right? You're no. on num- or number no. six? Are you number all the way? Number six. Oh, man. I'm a number six. I'm a little behind. Where the hell are you? You want to go next? Uh, okay, so the movie I texted you about last night, did you see it? Th- that you said you might catch up on? No. Okay, all right, so I'll say it now then. Number seven's a movie called First Reformed. Oh, okay. It's a movie that we didn't get a chance to talk about. It came out earlier on in the year. Um, it did very well at the festival circuit. It did not make a ton of money at the box office. It stars Ethan Hawke. It is... Another incredibly unique, uh, visually compelling um, uh, film, along with Mandy. The way that it is shot is so interesting um, and so simplistic. It's sort of shot in four by three with no foreground. 
Nothing is in the foreground and the background. It's just, it's one middle shot the entire movie, essentially. It's flat. It's very flat. Everything, there is no dimension whatsoever. It's just very head-on. You're in the character's grill the entire time. It's not quite point of view, but it's not quite, uh, it's not quite cinematic. So there's this weird sort of quality, and my theory about it is that it's shot from the perspective of God. And that it's sort of, uh, because it's a, it's a movie about religion and a movie about faith and uh, what faith can do to a good-intentioned man. Okay. Um, Ethan Hawke's performance is dynamite uh, and uh, should have been awarded at either the Golden Globes or the Oscars. It clearly will not be awarded at either show. Um, All right. But it's one of my favorite performances of the year. Okay. This movie has stuck with me. I can't stop thinking about it. Um, deserves a spot on this list. It's right. number seven. I recommend you see it, and I recommend that sure. we have a conversation about it sometime soon. All right, because you think that I would really like this movie. I do. This is the one movie, because you asked me uh, a few days ago, give me a list of movies I should catch up on. This was the one that I'm like, yeah, it's an Adam movie. <laughs> there have been Adam movies that you've been wrong about. Yeah. Uh, so well, well, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be wrong about this one. All right, all right. It's all right. very unique. And by the way, a, a master of the screen is behind it, Paul Schrader. Yes. The host, er, the host, the host, the writer of Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and uh, all those great Scorsese films. Yes. A legend. What else did he write? Did he write it? Oh, he wrote A Last Temptation of Christ. Yes. And is... Bringing Out the Dead. Okay. My favorite underrated Scorsese movie. See, I'm not a huge fan of Bringing Out the Dead. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, I know. When we do our Martin Scorsese mega episode. We're going to do a mega episode on Scorsese? One day. Holy shit. Oh, we should do a top 10. I could do a top 10 probably. Yeah. I should do that. My one, my, no, I don't know if I could do a top. Well, I'd have a tie for number one. Uh huh. That's the problem. I don't know if I could do that. Is that allowed? Or no, do I need a definitive no, one number allowed. one? Make up your goddamn mind. What do you think we do this podcast for? But he has two movies that I, I, I don't think are, are better than one another. I think they're about as good as you can possibly get. Figure it the fuck out, man. Fucking Christ. There's no ties. It's like Sophie's Choice. No crying in baseball. Piece of shit. I know, make up your mind. No. That movie's better than every Scorsese film. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> a League of Their Own or Sophie's Choice? A League of Their Own. <laughs> Penny Marshall, rest in peace. <laughs> Underrated director, Penny Marshall. Yep. Okay, number six for you. Mm, it's, well, it's a movie. Oh, boy. It's a movie, all right. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's a good one. Okay. No, old boy's here. You should be happy. For, well, I'm... when are you going to piss me off? You already pissed me off with Isle of Dogs. Is this coming again? I don't think so. I think you're just going to be su- kind of annoyed at what isn't on this list. Okay. Like, like yeah, you will go over it later, but yep. yeah. Uh, right now, number six, maybe this will piss you off. I don't know, but it's Widows. Okay. Um, number six is Widows. Let's talk about that more later. Okay. Okay. Oh, boy. Good. Oh, boy, you <laughs> fucker. Pin in it. Put a pin in it. My, my, I'm just saying, my list is unequivocally correct, and everyone on the internet should hear my list and literally <laughs> nobody else's, because it's right and theirs is wrong. Take that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking ghost of Roger Ebert. <laughs> Fuck you, Take Roger. That. Roger, you fucking two thumbs up my ass. <laughs> And Gene Siskel, you too. You bald-headed fuck. Who needs you? <laughs> Rotten hell. Right there with with uh, Pauline Kael. <laughs> <laughs> number six for me was Roma. Number five. 
Oh, okay. Here we go. Wait, 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 we're going straight to it? Yeah. We already talked for a moment. That's right. Yeah. Number five. Here's where it gets interesting. This is my tie. Oh. This is my tie. Yeah. This is my tie song. No. Take back my love song. I don't like that song. Okay, what do you got? Uh, Well, it's a tie between... <laughs> this is where it gets funny. One of them, eighth grade. Okay. Five, which I just recently saw. Good. Really, really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> it's tied with Mandy. Okay, why are they tied? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You really couldn't make up your mind between the two of them? It's that difficult? Yep. What? These are the two films are like, which do I like more than the other? I don't really know. They They're have tied. nothing to do with each other. It doesn't matter. Mandy in eighth grade? What? <laughs> <laughs> My personal enjoyment of them is right about there. How? They just is. They're not even close to the same thing. Well, you're 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 just looking at the person who would who would do this. I will say this. Um, they are both horrifying films. <laughs> yeah. For oh two, my god. For two very different reasons. Eighth grade is the, one of the scariest films I've seen this year. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Look at this. We lined up quite nicely. Eighth Grade is also my number five. Yeah. Uh, I really like this movie. We didn't get a chance to do a podcast about it. It's directed by Bo Burnham, mm-hmm. who is sort of this absurdist, experimental, I, I won't say avant-garde, but uh, an interesting formalist uh, comic. Maybe. Yeah. No. Uh, who has made a number of experimental stand-up specials in the past and is from this YouTube generation. I think he made his name... On YouTube. On YouTube. Um, so this is a guy that clearly has a lot of insight into this world and into this specific generation. Um, Interesting approach to take, too. This sure. This is coming from a, a young eighth grade girl rather than a boy, which you would normally think with someone like Bo Burnham. Right. You know, but he doesn't do that. No, he yeah. doesn't. He does. He decides to take the uh, the, the girl's perspective. Uh, you, you said it was a horror movie, and there are... <laughs> including that pool scene I think that pool scene is the most specific example that oh. it's shot almost like Jaws where it's like you don't know what lies beneath there are predators everywhere you look mm-hmm. it's this you know you make one wrong move and your life is over it feels like and it's yep. very much like the feeling that you get in eighth grade I mean when I was a kid especially a so- socially awkward kid like myself mm-hmm. Yeah, it was tough navigating those waters, and I thought it was very compellingly shot. If we're speaking about it simply as a work of film, yep. um, yeah, it's horrifying. Just for me, like if I'm like very young, I mean, this doesn't last that long, but I don't know, like fifth grade or something. When you get when you're going and you're just walking across to the lunchroom and you're the only person walking by yourself, there's something yeah. very very awkward about that. Very true. Isn't that ter- wasn't that terrible? When you were that young? No, there's nothing worse than being alone it in those hallways. Sucked. And it yes, sucked. you always felt like everybody was watching you and judging yep. you. Yep. Because that's just, if you just assume that everybody hates you and is looking to, to poke holes in your ego. Exactly. It's very, it, it's, it's terrible. Being a kid's awful. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, there are cool elements of it, but like that very specific period of it's, growing up, middle school is really what it is. Yeah, no, it's stressful as fuck. It's the worst. Had I known what, had I, had I heard of the word Sonder beforehand, yeah. then I probably would have felt a lot better. But, you know, no, no, there wasn't a single teacher that, that, you know, when we're doing like English classes and doing our vocabulary for the day, they're like, here's the word Sonder. And if they had, just shown that to me, I would have been like, oh, I'm okay now. Right. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Great. That's the thing. This is the real reason why I love this movie. Um, I have a 14-year-old younger sister. Yes. No, actually, no, she's 15 now. 
Okay. So she's pretty close to this. Yeah. Um, this is her. This character is her. It's, it's, it is so note for note perfect. The way that she interacts with people, mm-hmm. um, her own insecurities, the way that she speaks, her um, obsession with YouTube. Literally everybody this age is obsessed with YouTube. It's just a, it's a fact. Like when I was in middle school and high school, YouTube was something for the nerds and it was sort of this fringe thing that you shared with your friends, but it wasn't a lifestyle, right? It was a novelty Yes. when we were kids. These kids, it's their entire life. It's like their identity. Their whole identity comes from that. And like my sister has attempted to make vlogs in the past and share them. And they look very similar to this. Even if they don't quite know what they're talking about or doing. (laughs) Right. It's almost like, yes, this generation is trying to express themselves, but they haven't figured out how yet. And that's what YouTube is. And it's unfortunate because we look at it and we expect it to be something more than it is. And so like cynics like me will go on YouTube and think, oh, these stupid kids don't know what they're talking about. But of course they don't know what they're talking about. They're kids. Mm-hmm. You were thinking the same shit yep. when you were 13 years old. It's just that you didn't have the outlet to express yourself. Yep. And that's really scary. It's a, it's a treacherous mm-hmm. water to navigate. This idea that everyone's lives are on the internet forever. For the world to observe, it's like, man, I could not imagine even growing up 10 years later than I did, or 10 years earlier than I, I should say, you know? We, we literally can't. We're, we're never going to be allowed to, obviously. But yeah, it is it is a freaky idea. And this movie is, is funny with how it covers, how the uh, I don't know, the social norms of this particular generation and how it connects to, I don't know, older generations with like the high school scenes, which are very well done, by the way. Very well done. Uh, my, my only real criticism is that it should have been longer. Okay, well, it's an A24 movie. I know, but I remember watching it and being like, yeah, these are the, I, give me more of this. Give me more of these scenes to, you know, that, that, that draw on some of these experiences that at least I can kind of relate to, you know, because you know, it feels very authentic. It, again, it's just for, for it to really, like, you know, hit me in the gut just a, even a little bit more. I would have liked it to have been, like, two hours. Right. But otherwise, yes, it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, this movie really spoke to me. It's a Nico movie, I think. Yes, um, it is. Through and through. And um Well, yeah. it it shows you my sensibilities how uh I you know, cuz cuz I do like films like this, but I also love films like Mandy, and I think these films are interesting. It's you know, it is interesting that I put these as a tie because they are kind of polar opposites from one another yeah. in almost every way. Yeah. Uh by the way, Elsie Fisher, I just want to shout out that performance. I thought she was perfect. excellent. Yeah. No, she's perfect. Yeah. She's not one of the best performances of the year. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's a fairly low-key cast. I don't think there's any recognizable faces. I didn't recognize a no. single one, right? No. Yeah. There is one. I was going to say, there is one scene that just rang completely untrue. And I like what it what it says thematically. It's nice and all. Uh, but, but the scene in the car where the guy's taking off his shirt. Well, I don't know if that was necessarily your high school experience, Adam. I... Uh, just because you didn't go through it doesn't mean that there are not young little girls going through that. That? Yeah, I think that's possible. Okay. I, no, I do. I do think that's possible. It's, def- it's definitely a thing. Of course, I've heard stories secondhand of things like that happening. Not like that. Where younger women, yeah, are, are coerced into things by older men. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think so. Yeah, I think uh, to be honest with you, I thought that scene was was it actually worked on a on a very profound level. I got uh, very uncomfortable and and I felt it's for un- that girl. It's uncomfortable just after the fact. I was like, 
would that ever happen? Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't feel the same way. I don't know. Okay. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm just an ignorant asshole. Okay. I don't know how you can put that ahead of a quiet place, but okay, whatever. Uh, what ahead of a quiet place? <laughs> any of these movies. Because uh, <laughs> quiet place is good. It's not that good, Nico. Right, we'll it's, talk about it's it. It's fine. It's pretty good. Number four for you. Uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Okay, cool. And we talked about that in great detail, and it's an awesome little Coen Brothers film, a very different kind of Coen Brothers film. It's like a, uh, Jay Ballman of Red Letter Media said it's like a serving platter of everything that makes them great. Mm-hmm. That's, yep. It's very true, yeah. It, yeah, it's almost... Yeah, it's almost like if you wanted to go to the Coen Brothers Buffet yep, and check out all of the different dishes. That's them. Just a little bit of each, just like a taste test. Yep, all of their personalities just right there. Right. That's a, very, that's a nice way of putting it. I like that. All right, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, number four. Number four for me. This might be a controversial choice. Um, I don't know how you'll feel about this. We did a podcast about this movie, though. Yeah. It's called Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, cool. It's number four for me. Yeah. It made my top four. I didn't expect it to make my top four, but the more and more I I reflected on the year, I had I did not see that much more impressive stuff on screen. This was like one of the most impressive cinematic achievements I've ever seen. Like it's an awesome action movie. Okay. Is it a great story? No. Um, it has an interesting performance from Henry Cavill, um, and Tom Cruise still remains delightful, and so does this supporting cast. I am not writing for this movie as a narrative. I'm writing for this movie as the stunt show that it is. And that's exactly what it is. It's a stunt show. It's like an episode of American Ninja Warriors, but take it to the extreme. I am in awe of that. I, I just, I loved the filmmaking from a technical perspective. And I love the stunt work and the fact that they actually jumped out of a fucking plane. That's not that impressive. 100 times. <laughs> Why is that so impressive And to the you? fact that Tom Cruise actually learned how to <laughs> ride a helicopter. The helicopter is the one noteworthy thing of all the stunts in this film. Yeah. And that's the one thing I will praise. But jumping out of an airplane honestly hasn't been as compelling since, like, Point Break. Point Break, to me, is the best jumping out of a plane sequence in any film. The original Point Break, let's be clear. I'm just saying. I really like this movie. I, I like it too. A lot. It's it's a but it's a Tom Cruise exhibition. And we talked about it as a Tom Cruise exhibition. And that's the biggest flaw with the film is that especially when we were talking about it, it's like I'm not really talking about the movie, it's just like Tom Cruise is doing a bunch of awesome shit. And I'm like Right. Like, come on. No, I know. As a like as a movie like I think it's I think it's very well made technically. There's a lot of downtime that I could not find less. I could not find. Uh, what, what, I don't even know how I'm forming my words, but I was totally disinterested when the film chooses not to be an action film. Right, just a lot of the film. Uh, guy. No, I disagree. It's not uh, that much. Yes, it is. The story is always secondary, in my opinion. Like the stunts are still the star, uh, I, I, which I guess it. I, I don't know. You might find that to be a criticism. I find that to be a positive. I mean, that's what I go to these movies for. Sure, but the stunts are there for the for the for the show of it. They're not the story, really. It's just like let's 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 get a really well done action scene out of the way, and that's fine. Mm, it's not like it's not like Fury Road where the action does inform the story. The action is the story in that movie. I'm not sure that's entirely true. I I, I would point to specifically the bathroom sequence, which is a very tense visual visceral sure. uh, scene. Um, it's perhaps the tensest scene in this entire franchise, yeah. with the exception of maybe the the, the motion activated vault. Um, that's where, what I say, yeah, where he falls. I mean, that's classic Brian De Palma there. Yes, um, but 
I don't know. I, I felt a little more personally invested in these characters and in this story just because it was a thrill ride. It was like a really exciting roller coaster. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm not thinking cerebr- cerebrally. <laughs> Is that a word? Yeah. I, I, I'm not putting a lot of heavy thought into the ups and the downs, but I'm sure as hell enjoying them and I'm sure as hell in the moment. And that was how I felt about this movie. I was always in the moment. I wasn't wa- checking my watch to be like, when is this thing over? And that's the problem with me is that I literally did check my watch multiple times. Also, Henry Cavill, fucking awesome mustache. Yeah. But and that but it's Henry- that knocks it up a whole point for me. <laughs> but it's Henry Cavill. He sucks. I disagree. <sighs> in this movie, they used him well. No. Pete, uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who directed this, was just like, uh, yeah, Henry Cavill. You are a giant wrecking ball of a man. Go <laughs> yes. be a giant wrecking ball of a man. He's fine. He works when he has to do that, I guess. Yeah. Again, though, there's a lot of the movie where he's not that. Like, it's, it's a long movie. It is way. long. And maybe maybe could have been a little bit shorter. And like I said, there's just a lot of downtime where I couldn't have cared less. And I don't know. the film. It's not a film that I reflected on afterwards. It's not a film that I cared to really see again. And like I said, the action scenes that are remarkable to, to me don't come until like the very end because I, I like how that the, the jumping out of the plane sequence looks but even then I'm just like like again like I've seen Point Break it's like I like Point Break a lot more you know what this I movie somehow got me excited for what a Top Gun sequel what? Christopher McQuarrie is directing the Top Gun sequel and Tom Cruise is in it and the fact that you got me interested in a fucking Top Gun sequel is a small miracle. I hate Tom Cruise. <laughs> I could not be less interested. <laughs> well, you know what? Really, at the end of the day, that very statement summarizes this entire podcast. Yes. <laughs> that is the thesis statement to this podcast. How, do you, how can you like When Tom one Cruise? guy hates Tom Cruise and the other one recognizes him as a national treasure. How can you like Tom Cruise? This summer, movie happening. How can, I don't understand. Like, what is there to like about Tom Cruise other than, like, Tropic Thunder? <laughs> charisma? There's no charisma. There's absolutely no charisma. Charm? There's no charm. I don't... There's Dashing no, good looks? No. The tooth at the center of his mouth? Are we on, like, dif- different planets? <laughs> like... I appreciate his commitment. It's the same thing I like about Vin Diesel. But I hate Vin Diesel. Well, we're never going to come to see... <laughs> We're always gonna we're always gonna like, hit a these, wall on this. These black holes of charisma. I don't know. There, oh, I don't find them to be black holes of charisma at all. I find them to be not self aware, and I generally enjoy that in my movie stars. I do not. Number three for you. Oh, uh, this is one that I considered uh, putting up a l- little bit higher, and and kind of toiling back and forth with my number two but right now i'm comfortable keeping it here number three for me is hereditary oh shit i was waiting for this one hereditary yeah baby the the one of the best films of the year by far it's a it's a great very disturbing horror film unlike any i've seen in a long time and it's chilling and it's not about jump scares it's the kind of film where you leave and you're still scared for a while after you've seen it and it's a film that you could never forget it's horror filmmaking at its finest, and it's a it's very efficient, and it's on point, and it's an interesting story, interesting thematically. I love the characters, I love the performances. This is just a awesome, awesome film. Even if you know you're gonna like want to die by the end of it, which was my experience. <laughs> I just wanted to curl up in a little ball and go home to mommy. Yep. I. I, I it's hard to actually contextualize this in the year if i'm doing a ranking mm. i i'm a nerd so i actually have my 
entire ranking from every film that I see, I put on the big board mm-hmm. um, as they go. I saw 48 movies this year. Yeah. I put Hereditary at number 24. Um, and I, I'm sure that is too low. It's way too low. And I, and I do appreciate the craft. I really do. I thought whoever the guy that directed this did a phenomenal job. Um, I, I just was so uncomfortable. And I watched a good third of this movie through my shirt. And that's that's kind effective. Of, it, it, no, it's very effective. It, it got the job done. I did not enjoy this experience at all, um, which is my fault. It's it's no criticism of the movie. It's a criticism as me as uh, of me as a viewer. Because yeah. um, sometimes I find experiences like this to be very like satisfying in a funny way. Yes, which is what I got out of it. Um, and some movies did that for me this year. Some horror movies specifically. Um, I, I liked Halloween for that reason. It was a pretty fun rush. It got um, Halloween's. An, uh, I was going to say that's an honorable mention on my. Yeah, list. I'm surprised it didn't make yours. By the way, I, I was. I, I kind of feel bad not including it because after seeing it for three times, I was like, "This is a fun rush of a film." It actually, you know, yeah. There, there's a bit of me that wants to knock off Annihilation. I was, I was like, I feel wrong doing it, but I do like Halloween more than Annihilation. Yeah, yeah. You could have put that in there as well. All right, retcon, Halloween, <laughs> number 10. Sorry, Annihilation. Sorry, Natalie Portman. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Halloween. Haven't you been given enough in life, Natalie? Yeah, fuck You don't need a spot on Adam's list. Halloween, number 10. There we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, the, Hereditary, I will say, is a just horrifying family drama. And I think if I were to uh, give as glowing of a review as I can... I would say this isn't a horror movie about horror. It's a horror movie about family. Yep. And a horror movie about the mundanity of life yep. and how one bad decision can affect many bad decisions uh, for generations to come. Yep. So it's, it's too human, and that's why it's. Scary. And we did a podcast yeah. about this, right? Oh yeah, we did. That okay. was a good one. That right. was a good one. <laughs> Go back and listen to that if you want more. Yeah. Uh, this is a great commercial for our podcast, by the way. This what? episode, we're just being like, yeah. We talked about this movie. Go listen to another hour to hear us talk about it. How it's boring like, would that be if it was just a commercial? It's like when your sitcom, uh, your favorite sitcom would do like a clip show episode. Yeah. It's like the best of Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, we got to go back and watch And this they just replayed good. the same clips of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't write a new episode. No, not anymore. That's what this podcast is. <laughs> We're a terrible episode of Seinfeld. There are no terrible episodes of Seinfeld. Uh, okay, Hereditary is your number three? Yeah. All right, I believe my number three is your number two, I think, if we're doing this correctly. Uh, I have A Star is Born at number three. Cool. Okay, let's talk about A Star is Born. Yeah, that yeah. is my number two. Okay. Um, this movie is somehow not going to win Best Picture. Yep, unfortunately. Or so it may seem. Um, however, it is, I think, safe to say... That Star is Born will live on for several years as a pop culture touchstone. Mm-hmm. It's a star-making movie. It's a movie about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's a movie about the music industry and uh, how we sort of just chew people up and spit them out in this machine that we call pop culture. Ugh. It's a wonderful cinematic achievement, and it's not something I expected to be as... I didn't... And I said this before. I did not expect this film to be even half as good as it was. It's a beautiful film, and it's a film through and through, and you can see that with how quiet this film actually is, with how loud and, and glamorous it, 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 you would think it is, and it kind of is, but when this film chooses to get personal, oh boy, does it get personal, and does it get dark, and it's... 
it's it's not what I expected at all, and I was thoroughly surprised. And it is, I think, it's genuinely one of the best films of the year, and uh, got some of the best performances of the year. And Bradley Cooper is, in my opinion, going to go down as one of the most overlooked performances maybe in history. Yeah. It's so weird now that the race for the Oscar is now Christian Bale and Rami Malek, who are both, and, and I haven't seen either of the movies, so I can't really speak to it, but they're both just sort of doing an impression of a real person. Yeah. And there's nothing like wrong with that. Um, it's just the nature of the role, I guess. But I, some somebody like Bradley Cooper has the much harder job of making a fictional person seem real as opposed to Dick Cheney and Freddie Mercury, who we all know very well. Like we have a relationship with those characters already and we have our own preconceived notions about those characters. Mm -hmm. Jackson Maine is totally new to us when we sit down to watch a star is born. And I don't know to me if we are contextualizing this in uh, the last 100 years of cinematic history that's the performance to celebrate, mm-hmm. right? He's creating pop culture, not simply mimicking pop culture. Yep. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen Vice and I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, but my impression of it is that no one would have been able to beat this Bradley Cooper performance. I, I, I've, I haven't seen Vice yet. And, and Remy is, a, I mean, he's wonderful. He's a very, it's a very good performance, actually. But uh, it, again... I, and I, I I said this before as well. It's not as complicated as Bradley Cooper. He doesn't have to deal with as much emotionally as Bradley Cooper, or go to the places that Bradley Cooper has to go to, uh, has to has to go to at all. And there are elements of Bohemian Rhapsody where you could watch and be like, maybe that is an impression. I wouldn't say it's all the way through the film, but you could be like, yeah, that's kind of an impression. Whereas, um, uh, yeah, Bradley Cooper is just a drunk. Yeah, all the way through. Right, and it's really scary, and it's really heartbreaking, and it's all—it's all sorts of emotions. And oh my god, it does it work? And understated, by the way. Yeah, and very, very understated. Like mm-hmm. there are times when, certainly early on in the movie, where the alcoholism was just sort of a quirk, mm-hmm. and then by the end of it, it becomes his defining character trait. Yep. And you look back and think, oh, I missed that scene. He drank way too much there, and he shouldn't have taken that shot there, and. You see the pieces sort of slowly come together until you're left with this tragic moment at the end, which we won't spoil on here. Um, it's very, very moving. And Lady Gaga is great as well. I don't want to take anything away from her. I don't think her performance was nearly as difficult as Bradley's was. Um, but she's a movie star too. And it's a, a good old traditional movie star uh, showcase that doesn't get made a whole lot anymore. It's a good version of that, though. That's yeah, the thing. that's what matters. It's like is even though it is certainly that it it it's it's a very impressive feat. And by the way, Bradley yeah. does a great job directing too. Very good job directing. Yeah. Again, I, it's the same thing. I did not expect it to be anywhere near as good as it actually was, especially with the direct uh, with the direction. Right. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, that this is why the Oscars don't make sense. Yeah, is that and and I know like we, we've argued about this in the past. I look to the Oscars as a sort of finger on the pulse of pop culture. Like I, I look for the Academy to not necessarily award the quote unquote best movie, but the movie that means the most to us. Yeah. Because I feel like that's the movie worth celebrating. You can always argue about the nuances of filmmaking. You can't necessarily argue about consensus. That's the yeah. whole point of coming to a consensus. So if you're going to, have a stupid award show that's politicized 
and that is uh, sort of objectifying or subjectifying an objective thing, just give it to the most popular movie or give it to the one that's most inspired. That's why Get Out should have won last year. That's why Goodfellas should have won when Dances with Wolves won in 1990. No, it's but it's not different, though. Because, again, you can argue about whether or not Goodfellas is the best movie of the year. You can't necessarily argue about the fact that Goodfellas has stood the test of time and has meant the most to the culture. But not because it's culturally significant at the time. It has nothing to do with that. Well, and that that's my problem with films like that are culturally aware is that, to me, those tend to be the ones that are the most dated. It's not, the mo- it's not culturally relevant. It's they've been able to inspire... Uh, they have been able to create the culture rather than just responding to the culture. Yeah, that's well, that's kind of why I don't agree with the get out argument because it feels like, you know, the thing that's just sort of responding. To I disagree. See, I disagree entirely. Mm. I think get out is the movie from last year that we're going to revisit the most. We're going to reference the most. And that has imagery that will stay with us for the next several what decades. What were the other contenders of last year? Dunkirk, Lady Bird, Shape of Water. Maybe. No. Well, that's the kind of the case with 2015 with Fury Road was certainly the one that people ended up responding to the most. That's if by your uh, logic, that's the one that should have won. Right. And I would say I would agree with that one there. Sure. Because no one fucking remembers Spotlight as good as that movie is. Right. Certainly. Yeah. And, and I would agree with you if you told me Fury Road should have won that. OK, year. so I'm just trying to figure out what you're saying, but I think I got it. You think? Yeah, it, it's it's this should be we should be able to look back on who won Best Picture 20 years later and be, and be able to say something about this year and, and and we should be able to recognize the film and recognize it as iconic it's almost like putting something in the hall of fame you're not necessarily celebrating excellence you're celebrating iconography mm-hmm. you know which is a thing like like moonlight is is the problem in my opinion right for those reasons and then uh yeah la la land i still feel like we're gonna reference la la land more in 10 years than we are moonlight mm-hmm. and yeah. it and Again, I don't know what the better movie is. You can argue about that. You can't argue about the fact that A Star is Born is far more iconic and far more representative of 2018 than Roma or than Bohemian Rhapsody or any of these other films. It's the one that people remember. But again, and this is the other thing, just because people remember it a lot more doesn't necessarily make it better. No, there has to be an element of quality as well. I'm yeah. not saying that. I just, man, I, I look back on Shape of Water and I think to myself, we're not going to be talking about this in 10 years. Like, so, what's, like what's the point? And that's not necessarily my standard. I, I, I quite literally just want to say, okay, guys, there are just certain movies that are definitively better than other films on this list, and you should have awarded it because it was the most impressive feat. But no one can ever agree on that anyway. There's that's, always an argument in the fringes. I know. So, uh, it's complicated, which is why award shows are kind of stupid. Oh, they're very stupid. So. But that's why I watch them. Yeah. They're so yeah. dumb. Hey, I mean, here we are doing a top ten list. I mean, yeah. we're no better. Yeah. Here we are ranking them and putting them in competition with one another. Yeah, the films that don't mean much at the time, though, grow to you know have have a lot of cultural significance. Well, that's also know, true. You know, happens also true. all the time with like Shawshank or the original Blade Runner or things like that. That know? is that is very much true. It's very hard to know. Yeah, yeah. That that was an idea that I I think it was like Bill Simmons or something that brought up this idea on a podcast. Yeah. They should award Best Picture five years after. Yeah. Uh, and look back and think this is the one that has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know like if the artist would have still won Best Picture or if the Hurt Locker or any Hurt. of these things would have held up. Uh, oof. That's an interesting year with the Hurt would Locker. Would Argo have won? Like no. Argo, now you look back five years and you, it's a forgettable movie. 
But that was a movie that people loved in 2012. I like it a lot. Yeah, but, but still, no. Arco would have not would have not still been Best Picture. Yep, I agree. There are so many of those instances where you go back and you're like, oh, yeah. Forrest Gump over Pulp Fiction. Hmm. I don't think I would do that again. If you're going based off of what you just said. Oh, Pulp Fiction is by far and away a more iconic movie. By far and away. Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump? Are it's you, not even close. Are you, are you serious? Oh, it's not even close, Adam. No, oh, Adam, it's not even close. Pul- Pulp Fiction. Yeah, you're right. It's the, Forrest Gump. No, there, there are. <laughs> and I, I, hold on. No, Nika, no, 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 no. Okay. See, I love Pulp Fiction. I like it more than Forrest Gump, but you're really kidding yourself if you're. Pulp, Pulp Fiction defined an entire era of film. Yes. It, it defined the entire but, but, independent movement with Miramax but, in but the 90s. But those are filmmakers. You're, we're talking about just, just audiences. There are Pulp Fiction posters in every dorm room across the country. So what? It's, there's it's Big Pulp Lebowski and Big Le- No, the, exactly. I put Big Lebowski in that same category. Who was quoting Pulp Fiction in 1994? Oh, Pulp Fiction is, is so much more iconic than Forrest Gump is. No, it's Forrest not. Forrest Gump's a cable movie. No, it's not. Well, that's the problem. It's a cable movie in a good way. Nobody's quoting for No one's quoting Pulp Fiction the way that they're quoting Forrest Gump. They're just not. Nobody is. No one's saying Perhaps. life is a... No one is saying you life is a... You know how many references are made to Pulp Fiction in other works of art? The amount of... What about... What, run, Forrest, run. Life is a box of chocolates? Yeah, those particular quotes, I guess. I, I disagree with you. John Travolta in that movie is... That image, all you need to see is like a silhouette of that image and you know exactly what the movie is. Yeah, what about the image of just Forrest sitting on the bench? I suppose. No, I know. We're... we're, we're like, this I don't is, know. We're debating two iconic movies. Th- I was going to say, know. this is... A, that one's a little too close to call, I think. Yeah. But I, I, I'm just saying, I hear more people on a like a, a, an, an annual basis, we'll say, quoting like, run, Forrest, run. I, Maybe. I hear people say, yeah, run, Forrest, run, if I'm running really fast to do something or life is a box of chocolates. It, I'm, it just, it's just the way it is. Hmm. But I'm, I'm not taking that away from Pulp Fiction because I like Pulp Fiction uh, a bit more but again like I like Shawshank more than both of those films okay so all right yeah we're really yeah apples and oranges I yeah. guess um are you on your number one? Oh no okay no you, number two is Star is Born for you yeah. right okay you can go number number two for right, you. number two um it's a movie that we already brought up and that I've said should have been higher on your list it's a quiet place number two number two Number two on my list. Yeah, not number one. I know. Caught you off guard there, huh? Are we going to agree with a number one? I zigged when you zagged. Are we going to agree with a number one? No. Aww. Uh, <laughs> what the hell could it be? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I respect and admire this movie um, not only more than you, but I think more than most Any critics <laughs> i was gonna say I anybody think, i think yeah and, and let's not get, let's not uh, make any mistake here this is a very good movie but it's not a number two. could i be the biggest a quiet place fan yeah. in the world yeah <laughs> i think i might be and but i'm not into horror it, movies like like i i don't think it's even close to being deserving of a number two spot on anybody's list as good as it is it's not that good so one of the best directing jobs of the year i thought with john krasinski mm-hmm. his first time out or at least first major time out um, Emily Blunt is immaculate. She's getting a lot of credit for Mary Poppins Returns this year. She's very good because Mary she Poppins. she could have easily been nominated for A Quiet Place as well. Um, this is uh, an example, and uh, number one will also be another example of this of a genre movie that can be so much more if you respect the genre and you take it seriously and you play within the boundaries of that genre. 
this is a pretty standard horror thriller with a lot of remarkable things to say about family and about parenting and what it means to be a parent and what it means to not quit on your kids and to sacrifice everything for your kids, even in the most dire circumstances. Mm -hmm. What I found so incredible about this film is that even during the apocalypse, for God's sakes, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt never quit on their job. Parenting is always their number one priority. And that's, you know, a choice that in a lesser movie uh, would not have been made. And I'll, I'll reference specifically the film Bird Box, which was released on Netflix a few weeks ago, which I don't think you've seen, right? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, well, I'm glad we avoided the Bird Box conversation for as long as we did then. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I fucking hate Bird Box. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's terrible. I was we were I was watching it with Abby, and this was on the recommendation of some of her friends. Well, our friends. Oh, jeez. But um, yeah, I, I had the same recommendation, and um. I, we're we're about like like she and I both by the way we're about like I don't know five ten minutes in <laughs> we're like wow this is uh, what's the word stupid rough <laughs> and rough it's and a rough one it's a bumpy ride it's it, it what's with the structure of this movie I didn't understand the multiple timelines it made no sense to me it makes sense to me but it throws off any sort of tension right yeah you know that they make it and no one else in that house does. It, here's the thing. It's not quite a horror movie. It's not quite a thriller. It's not quite a drama. These are like a lot of the problems like you have with like like your issues with like it comes at night are sort of my issues with this. Okay. In a lot of way where the thematics don't really line up and her motivations don't make a lot of sense and the 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 ambiguity of it of it all just feels like bullshit to me. It just feels like a zombie film without zombies. Exactly right. And the metaphor never quite feels right. Yeah. Um I think it's a metaphor for depression. I'm not quite sure. Um, I think it, it, you know, it's but this idea that it's this it's this ever or it's this omnipresent thing that if you address it, it drives you to kill yourself. Feels a lot like depression, but then at the same token, what are you trying to say about depression? Nothing. Well, this is what I'm talking. Like again, like it doesn't feel like it genuinely has anything to say. It just feels like an excuse to do this crazy shit. Yes. And I was kind of left. A little, a little cold, and I found it very disingenuous in that way. And I just like it was very hard for me to get completely invested. It has its moments here and there. No, it doesn't. Yeah, but that's the problem. It's kind of few and far between. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, I like. Uh, is there what's? Uh, I'm trying to think of a scene like I genuinely like. I didn't hate the movie, but I, I was like, I guess the scene where she got attacked in the boat was okay. I liked that. Yeah, I liked that because that was actually kind of creepy. Right. Uh, Other than that, nothing else. And you're right. The ambiguity did serve no purpose. I am all for ambiguity, especially in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Don't answer the questions. That's fine. But at least pose interesting ones. Yeah. And this, the movie did not at all. No. no, um, no, no. This is all. This is all to say that uh, um, Bird Box is a far lesser version of A Quiet Place. Well, that's what I was thinking too while watching. I think Abby and I were actually called it out like, this does feel kind of like A Quiet Place. It's A Quiet Place meets The Happening. Right. And yeah. it's... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, right. And it's just like, yeah, this is what A Quiet Place would look like if all the wrong decisions were made by the filmmakers. Yeah. And that's what happens the, here. There's no rules by the creature. I didn't understand how, how it even worked, which I didn't like. And it made me very, very confused. And again, it's easy to... Pl- 
poke holes in. And this, this is the problem is that if you're poking holes in something, like it, it's easier to poke holes in something like this because it doesn't feel like the intentions of the filmmakers are as noteworthy as A Quiet Place. Because I can poke holes in A Quiet Place, trust me, and I have. Mm-hmm. But the reason it, it doesn't bother me as much there is because it's very, very clear that uh, John Krasinski has a lot more genuine and heartfelt things to say. And they're earned. Right. And they pay off. Right. And it makes the experience all the more worthwhile. Whereas in <laughs> Bird Box, it's it's like a cheap version of that. Very mm-hmm. cheap version of that. Mm-hmm. So, again, that movie only made A, a Quiet Place even better in my mind. Yeah, no, I'll agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I love it. I, I like A Quiet to. Place, Nico. I love I really, it. I, I, I really, I really like think Quiet Place. This, <laughs> is, this is one of my favorite movies the last few years. Last few years? Wow. It just is. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. I don't feel bad about it. And I kept looking for a reason to knock it off because I know like I'm susceptible to everybody else's opinion as much as the next guy. Like I'll read other top 10 lists and I'm like, oh, am I really overrating this thing too much? And I've seen it twice. I'm not. I feel no shame about having it at number two. I really like it. Hey, 1987 Predator is like number two or number one. Robocop is the the big contender there. Sure. That's a a tough one for me. (sighs) Predator versus Robocop? Oh, God. It's definitely RoboCop for me. Oh, God. But you love Predator more than I do. Fuck. I might go Predator. I'm sorry. I love RoboCop. You son of a bitch. That would have been it. I would have killed myself that year. (laughs) That would have been it. It's an interesting conclusion to jump to. (laughs) Do you imagine? It's so tragic. We can't come up with it. Like, like that is a Sophie's choice for me. Well, there's a Holy horror shit. movie. Oh, my God. Yes. There's your bird box. Trying to make a top 10 There's list. your bird box sequel. <laughs> we lose our minds trying to make a top 10 I know. List. And it drives That's you good. to insanity. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest nerd fantasy movie I've ever it's heard It's Bandersnatch. <laughs> it's like, do you want Incredibles 2 or do you want First Man higher on the list? <laughs> One of the Ooh. other. I think I know what your number two is. Or number one is. No, it's not. Are you sure? Neither. No, neither. Okay. You should know what number one is, though. This should be obvious to you. you but you go oh, first. Oh, I do know. Yeah, you go first. All right. But, but, but mine's like a, a reveal. We, we talked about your, your film already. Okay. I'll you do go first. Widows! Interesting choice, in my opinion. Widows! Widows, widows, widows. Widows, widows, widows. It's an excellent film. Widows. It's an excellent film that I'm like, 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 kind of calmly calling it. I'm not like over, you know, head over heels in love with this movie, but yeah, it's a, it's an excellent film. It's very good. It's, <laughs> it's, it's quite good. It's quite awesome. Widows. I, 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 I would have sex with this film. Hey, Adam. Yeah. Widows. 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 Mm-hmm. Steve Widows. McQueen. I know. Widows. That wonderful guy. Here, we did a whole podcast about it, and I was very glowing of this movie when we did the podcast. It's a genre movie, much like A Quiet Place, that takes its role as a genre film very seriously and attempts to make both a great heist film Mm -hmm. and a great piece of social commentary, and one does not disrupt the other. Mm -hmm. And that is often the problem with a lot of these socially conscious, um, uberly ambitious movies is that you try to say too much and it distracts from the initial uh, intent, which is to entertain the audience. Yep. This movie is entertaining through and through and also has something to say, and that is so much more powerful yep. than a movie that tries to tell you too much and tries to shove in more big ideas at the expense of its action and its drama. 
It's number one. It's it's the movie that I was most entertained by, that I've thought about the most, that I am most eager to watch again. Bobby Duvall is awesome in it, uh, as is yep. the rest of this cast. It's one of the best ensembles of the year. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's I'm, number one. I mean, go back to listen to our podcast if you want to hear more. I'm um, fine with I'm fine with this decision, but I'm I, okay with that. I, I I love it. I really do. And once you're done with it, go like binge watch The Wire. And you'll realize that they're just two sides of the same coin. Fantastic. Widows, number one. Fantastic. This movie, though, my number one. The definitive number one. This is weird. That no. you would feel the need to call it the definitive number one. This is the definitive number one of all number ones. This is strange. This is, this is more number one than 2049. No, that's not true. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, this is uh, a film that nobody saw. <laughs> <laughs> We saw it. <laughs> we did. I see recommended it. that you see it. Yep. Well, I, I, I no, no, no. You did. I was going to see this no matter. Yeah, what. Yeah, but I think. Yeah, but I think I saw it before you. Though you did see it, before. and I was like, Adam, you're going to love this. Oh my God, did I love this movie? Yeah, this film floored me. This is uh, one of the most incredible character studies I've ever seen, and I have, I have no qualms with saying that this film like sh- shocked me, like rocked me to my core. It is a an incredible study in, in someone who is suicidal, but you know who's also a hitman and uh, almost almost as if he's trying to understand his own urges, but not not really uh, uh, falling victim to them at the same time, while also trying to deal with his own personal struggles in life. And it's sort of plotless. It's but you know at the same Are you time you're gonna get to the name. Eventually. Yeah, I will get to the name, <laughs> but it's it, but it ultimately builds to a. A very interesting conclusion, and that I, I I don't really feel like spoiling just yet. But uh, yeah, this is an oddly it's like ugly and beautiful at the same time, and it's called "You Were Never Really Here." Yeah, Lynn Ramsey, by, by Lynn Ramsey, starring Joaquin Phoenix, and one of his best performances in quite a long time. I think that's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is an incredible, uh, an incredible film. Yeah, um, much like we need to talk about Kevin, which is the other Lynn Ramsey movie that I have seen. Um, I haven't seen her entire filmography. There's not that much. Uh, this is a, a movie that just spends time with one person yeah. and examines the uh, the contents of their soul. And that's yeah. sometimes very uncomfortable. Um, but I still find it to be very entertaining. Like, I don't think, like... It was slow or drab or well, it's it's slow, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it's technically slow. But yeah, it I mean, it, it's, feel it's first slow. of all, it's kind of a short movie, but stuff still happens. In oh it. my god, yeah, you know, but it doesn't. It's not again. It's not like a plot where it. it I mean, it's weird because. It is a plot where you need A to happen, so B happens, so C happens, but it doesn't really feel that way. There's this sort of looseness to how everything well, goes. Well, also, the storytelling structure is all over the place. Oh, right? my God, Like, yeah. they jump around with time a ton. Yes. Because the time is not really the point. Yes. It's, it's about examining the character. In his headspace. And... and Yes. And so all you got to do is bounce around different yeah. scenes yeah. to and, get the same point. And what happens if we push the character like this? What happens if he we, we, we put a situation in front of him where he has to act this way? What happens if he has to save this girl from this particular adversity? What happens if his, his mom dies? Spoiler. How are we supposed to deal with that? And, you know, ultimately, after all of this is said and done, where is he going to end up at the end of the story? And it's fascinating, and it's incredibly dark and un- very uncomfortable at times and disturbing, but I will never forget this movie. Hmm. And that's 
the ultimate you know, the ultimate goal of my, my, all my number ones. That's why I put again like Blade Runner at number one last year. It's again a film that will always stick with me, and this especially as well. It's just wow. Yeah, this is what movies are all about. Wow. Uh, it did miss my list by a few spots, not by many. Um, again, what is not this really thing? a Nico film. Yeah, what, what, I mean, <laughs> but, what does it even matter? I mean, right I don't on. know what the, the placement on the list is. Sort of besides the point. I, I really like this movie too. Um, I was floored by the direction. I, I think this woman has such an interesting taste. Yeah, such an interesting style. And although, like, I'm not going to rush out to rewatch any of these movies. Particularly, we need to talk about Kevin. No. Well, here's the thing is like, I could see myself going back and reexamining uh, You Were Never Really Here. But yeah, I kind of agree. Like, uh, we need to talk about Kevin is something that I'm, I absolutely loved, but I'm, I'm very happy to stay as far away from that as right. possible. Right. It's, it's almost like it's, it's kind of like a, a good painting, these movies. It's sort of like yeah. it, it's constructed on a canvas and you just sort of you sit there and you observe it. You're not really like immersed in the story as much as you are like it's not the i'm not immersed in the story necessarily as i am just this character right you're just kind of i don't even want to say you're stuck with him you are just kind of with him and floating around with him and experiencing the stuff kind of well not really from afar not really well it's not so much there's a distance it's just sort of it is what it is it's like like you're not necessarily invested in the ups and downs as much as you are intrigued by what you're seeing. It, well, it's like the movie is the character. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting you it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's like one of the most personal films I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I think I think that's true. It's, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's endlessly fascinating. Again, if you can stomach some of the stuff that happens in this film, it's like, what am I watching? I love the scene where he tries to drown himself, and then he decides not to. I. I remarkable piece of filmmaking there it looks I, like a million bucks too. oh well, when and that's the thing when i think about this movie that's the very first image that pops up into my head yeah i love it i love it okay i love how it portrays violence as well that's the other great thing about it it's not really that explicit too that's the other thing it's actually you know if you compare it to a lot of horror films it's very tame but for some reason the violence in this is just unnerving mm-hmm. it's, it's very impressive in that way and incredible film cool um. All right. Should we recap our list and then we'll give some uh, some runners up? Uh. Yeah. I guess I'll re. Uh. New honorable mention is Annihilation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Halloween uh, kicked it off after some serious deliberation on this podcast. We've never seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> I have kicked off Annihilation. I know. Halloween. You called an audible. <laughs> you called an audible. Halloween. I guess number ten. Uh. My number. Hold on a second. Let me because I forget because I have terrible memory. Not really. But uh. 10, Halloween, 9, Roma, 8, A Quiet Place, 7, Isle of Dogs. Fuck you. (laughs) What if I put Isle of Dogs ahead of Widows? Who let the dogs out? (laughs) It almost happened, Nico, because my number six is fucking Widows. (laughs) Who put this fucking movie on your list? Who, 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 who? Fuck you. (laughs) What? Get a life. That's all, that's all I want to tell. That's all I gotta say. Get a life. Get a life. Best insult of the day. Okay. Uh, six is widows. Yeah. Five is a tie between eighth grade and Mandy. So weird. I know. You're such an idiot. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Trust me. You would understand if you were me, Nico. That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> I'm afraid of ever understanding this process. If we switch bodies for a day. Oh God. <laughs> like Freaky Friday style. No, it can't be that. It's like I'm literally in your brain. Yes. So it's just I'm... You're trapped in my head. Oh, no.
That's like a terrible Black Mirror episode. <laughs> Ooh, we got to write this. We got to sit down and write this, damn it. Oh, jeez. Let's do it. Anyway, four, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Three, Hereditary. Two, A Star is Born. One, You Were Never Really Here. All right, I have 11, Beautiful Boy. 10, Minding the Gap. Great documentary on Hulu. Nine is Mandy. Eight, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Seven, First Reformed, which is on Amazon Prime. Six, Roma on Netflix. Five, Eighth Grade, which I also think is on Amazon Prime. Yep. Uh, four, Mission Impossible Fallout. Three, A Star is Born in theaters near you. Should win the Oscar. Uh, two, A Quiet Place, which is uh, out there to see. And number one, film of 2018, Widows, which should have been nominated for Best Picture, and I have no idea why it wasn't. Well, I guess, I guess the nominations aren't out yet, but it won't get nominated. No. It's very bizarre. No, it won't. You're right. It's just, I don't know. It's just, maybe it's just the kind of film that it is. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Uh, here are some of my honorable mentions, and then you can do yours. Uh, First Man barely missed the list. Okay. It is a wonderfully made movie. Uh, Damien Chazelle is a master, and this movie only affirmed that point of view. It didn't uh, detract from it in any way. It's just sort of slow. And... A, it, I, you know, it's more the script, I think, than it is the direction. I think he actually because elevates he didn't the write script. It. Yeah. yeah it, it's the same guy that wrote Spotlight. And in the same way that Spotlight is just sort of a straight retelling, sort of a work of journalism almost, mm-hmm. not necessarily a narrative. First uh, Man just sort of starts with Neil Armstrong getting the job and then going to the moon and then coming back from the moon. And. They don't really attempt to make that much of an act one, act two, act three structure. Uh, still, Damien Chazelle is, I think, one of my favorite young directors. And yeah, I, I, I just think it's a remarkably made movie with great sound mixing. And, and I wanted to see it just for that alone. Yeah, and awesome visuals. And it's a very immersive experience. I liked it a lot. Uh, Incredibles 2 also barely yeah. missed it. One of my favorite animated movies of the year. Honorable mention. Yep. Uh, Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado. This is a movie that got a lot of flack by critics for some reason. I don't know why. I think this movie is just as good, if not even a little bit better than the first one. Ooh. Really, I do think that. Wow. Maybe uh, I wouldn't put it at better status, but... I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> there's a lot to love in this movie. I really thought Benicio was great, and Brolin was awesome, and it's not Denis Villeneuve directing, but whoever was at the helm certainly did a capable job. I don't know why people hated it so much. It just sort of felt like... Either there was a hyper-politicized sort of wave among critics where it's like, oh, why are you politicizing this border issue and and, uh, making it into an action movie? Um, But I I, I found all of it to be very compelling and thrilling. I liked it a lot. You Were Never Really Here, of course, Annihilation we talked about. Wildlife? Have you heard of Wildlife? So this is a movie written... And directed by Paul Dano. Oh, interesting. It's his directorial debut. He and his wife, Zoe Kazan, who's also in Ah. Buster Scruggs, wrote the movie together. It um, stars Jake Gyllenhaal and... uh, Oh, shoot. What is the name of the woman from Lewin Davis? Carrie Mulligan? Carrie Mulligan. They are a couple... In the 1960s in, like, Montana, mm. who go through marital problems, and it's told from the point of view of their son. I just watched this movie last night, so I'm still sort of digesting. It didn't quite make my list. Perhaps it will. Very intimate story. 
um, about very difficult subject matter. It's not glamorized in any way. And a very capable entry from, from Paul Dano, I thought. Won't You Be My Neighbor, I mentioned. Leave No Trace is a uh, an underrated movie that sort of got overlooked midway through the year. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is like nearly unheard of. And for a movie that is that well-reviewed to not be talked about on any of these lists is pretty crazy. Mm. Ben Foster is very good. The real star, however, is Thomason McKenzie, okay. who is the daughter in this movie. She's a star. It's a breakout performance from her. I would recommend the movie just for her. Uh, and The Death of Stalin, a very funny movie that I would recommend um, political fans checking out. So I should definitely watch it. Political satire? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> That's Certainly. All I care about. Very satirical. All right. What else you got? My, well, my, my most notable honorable mention is Black Panther, Black Panther, Black Panther, Black Panther, and Black Panther. How about Black Klansman? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we sound like such racists. Yeah, we do. But guess what? Those films were not very deserving of uh, a spot on a top ten list. I don't mind Black Panther as much as Black Klansman. I've been on the record. I don't like that movie very much. And I've been on the record that I don't, I don't like either films very much. <laughs> no, it did not make my top ten. The fact that Black Panther is actually going to get nominated for Best Picture and Widows isn't is just insane to me. And the fact that it's actually going to be in the running and A Star is Born is just sort of going to sit on the sidelines. Here's the thing, man. People are, th- when you're talking about your cultural thing, people are going to think of, I think, Black Panther before A Star is Born. Well, I won't. I guess some people, listen, a lot of people saw it. Big freaking whoop, but I think a lot more goes into it than that. Yeah. Oh, and I saw Green Book. Did I mention that earlier on yeah, the show? Yeah, you did, and you were kind of like, eh, on it. Yeah, I was very eh. That barely uh, made the top 20. All right. Here's what I need to see. Apologies to these films. <laughs> I haven't watched them yet. I could see them maybe making the top 10. The favorite? Need to see it. Burning? Need to see it. You, you're aware of that one, right? It's Stephen Yun. It's yep. an Asian, um, a Chinese movie? Uh, South Korean. South Korean, okay. Uh, if Beale Street Could Talk? Need to see it. Need to see it. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Really want to see it as well. The Old Man and the Gun? The Robert Redford movie? Oh, I heard about that, but I need to see it. Yeah. Uh, Vice? Need to see it. Mid-90s? Need to see it. Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, the uh, Melissa McCarthy uh, historical drama? Uh, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody, I've not seen. And uh, Aquaman, obviously. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Anything else you got for me? Uh, no. Okay. I'm done. Happy 2018, everybody. Happy 20, yeah, whatever. Happy 2019. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Let's hope that 2019 has more to offer in the cinematic landscape. <laughs> Let's hope when we do this podcast next year, we'll be a little more enthusiastic about our top 10. I hope. Listen, I still love movies. You still love movies. So as as long as we have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like movies. We'll always have Paris, Adam Hall. Will we? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I've gravitated towards my phone. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm like, what? I'm, 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 I'm very checked out of uh, m- these movies now. I know. So is, so is everybody. Uh, tweet you where? Add some Adam Hall, and I'll get, get my updated list. Good. I am at Funny Nico Tweets, Too Many Thoughts Media dot com or TMT dot Media for all of our shenanigans. Mm-hmm. A recap of the latest Black Mirror episode is on the Why Is This a Thing feed as we speak. Go listen to that if you enjoy that program. Until next time. Until next time. Yes. Happy movie hopping. <laughs> <laughs>